Welcome to Crucial Conversations with Dr. Mia L. Johnson, licensed psychotherapist. The purpose of this podcast is to bring about self-awareness as it relates to your thinking patterns, feelings, communication style, ability to regulate your emotions, and respond to difficult situations. These crucial conversations are designed to empower and encourage you to enhance your self-knowledge, self-discipline, self-consciousness, and empathy for others. This Can't Be Normal is the title of today's episode, and the topic is Dysfunctional Family Roles. Today, we will discuss dysfunctional family roles, identify your role, and explore healthy ways to deal with dysfunctional family members. According to the APA Dictionary of Psychology, a dysfunctional family is defined as a family in which relationships or communication are impaired and members are unable to attain closeness and self-expression. Dysfunctional family roles can be flexible, meaning one person may primarily serve in one role, but can easily fill another if a shift happens and another role is vacant. Children of dysfunctional families most often grow up in these households thinking this is how every family functions. Now, although parents may not mean to, it is very difficult for them not to continue the experiences they went through within their family of origin and in turn transfer those same unhealthy behaviors and roles to their marital or nuclear family. Like an example, if your parents grew up in a home where they were spanked, whooped, or beaten by their parents when they disobeyed, you may have adopted the same disciplinary principles. Or if your parents resolved conflict by ignoring each other, you may think this is an effective way to problem solve. These roles and behaviors are basically being passed down from one generation to the next. Let's look at some common features. Lack of boundaries. It is normal in a dysfunctional family for there to be a ruthless amount of criticism, sarcasm, judgment, little or no empathy, meaning lacking the ability to understand someone else's feelings, someone else's point of view. And there is often neglect and some form of abuse. Because of this, it leaves all family members with no understanding of what a healthy boundary is for themselves and consequently how to set and enforce healthy boundaries. Another common feature in a dysfunctional family is inequality. Treatment of one or more family members is not fair. It's not steady. This could be due to gender, intelligence, age, birth order, or their family role. It means that family rules and norms are inconsistent and confusing. What applies to one does not apply to all. 
Another common feature is conflict issues. There's either conflict between different family members, no discussion, as it might lead to conflict, or there is almost continual conflict, meaning we will either love family members from a distance, ignore them, or engage with them by continuously arguing and disagreeing. Another common feature would be healthy communication difficulties. This is not only between themselves, but also outside the family. You see, dysfunctional families are extremely strict about the rule that when it comes to any information about them, nobody must ever know. Many dysfunctional families and just families in general are very secretive. I'm sure you've heard this before. What happens in this house, fill in the blank, stays in this house. Another common feature is denial. This means living with the belief that their unhealthy family situation is actually normal or even useful. Those in denial are usually not blatantly conscious. It's very complex and has much to do with the fact that they have absolutely no concept, no idea of what a healthy family is like. The family design or family blueprint goes back generations and it passes down moral obligations that if not followed, leave a feeling of guilt and even shame because for generations, this is the way our family has always done it. So clearly it must be what's best when it's actually not. Let's get into the different roles. We'll start with the scapegoat. The scapegoat is also known as the black sheep, also known as the troublemaker. Within a dysfunctional family, the scapegoat is cast aside and blamed for problems that may very well have nothing to do with them because they have broken the rule that nobody must ever know about the family's dysfunction by getting into trouble and are making bad decisions, the family will make the scapegoat pay by labeling them as a problem or labeling them as the cause of certain family issues or troubles. They may only get attention when they do something that causes a problem. So the scapegoat may intentionally cause problems for attention. An example, let's say we have a character named Tina. Tina is the youngest of three girls. She got pregnant at age 16 and again at 19. As a result, she has been labeled the black sheep. When one of her older sisters gets pregnant, and decides to drop out of college, their parents say to Tina, do you see what you've started? And they blame her for her sister's decision. This is exactly why she's a scapegoat. She's being blamed for problems that are happening within the family. All right, let's look at another role. The caretaker, also known as the peacemaker, also known as the mediator. The caretaker will be on constant alert to deal with any family issues and conflicts. 
this will always go ahead of their own personal needs, which is obviously not healthy. The caretaker is the one who takes on the duties and responsibilities of others in the family. The caretaker will be continually attempting to save other family members from the consequences of their own actions. Let's take a character named Eddie, for example. Eddie has a twin brother who has four kids and is unemployed. His brother is capable of working. However, he has difficulty taking orders from others. So he rarely stays on a job. And in the role of caretaker, Eddie constantly defends his brother's actions and pays his child support, even if it means he has to go without meeting his own needs. Now, when their parents and other family members tell Eddie he's enabling his brother's bad behavior, he becomes highly defensive and attempts to justify his brother's actions. Here you see Eddie is a caretaker. He steps in and attempts to solve his brother's problems. And in doing so, he's also trying to save his brother from consequences, negative ones at that. Let's look at the next role, the golden child. The golden child is also known as the hero, the saint, the super kid. This is the child who can do absolutely no wrong because they are so perfect. It lets the family believe there is nothing wrong because they have obviously done something right because the golden child is so successful and accomplished. But the golden child will have intense pressure to continue with their achievements or risk exposing the real dysfunction of the family. The golden child most likely only gets attention when he or she is achieving something. So the golden child will often become a perfectionist and set unrealistic expectations, which then causes a stressful life. The golden child may only feel as if he or she is someone if achieving things, if and when they're accomplishing something. Let's look at an example. So here we have a character named Eva. So Eva grew up as the golden child and she's now 35, married with two kids. Eva is a successful lawyer for a prestigious firm, and her husband is a plastic surgeon to the stars. Their kids attend the best private school in the city, and they reside in a highly sought-out gated community. Eva drives a BMW and her husband a Range Rover. They are viewed as a power couple, and the family is very proud of them. When Eva is faced with a challenge in her life, and are in her household or marriage, she does everything in her power to hide it for fear of exposing any dysfunction and tainting her perfect image. She's the golden child. She lives her life as if she's a perfectionist and she doesn't have issues. In reality, she does. Let's look at another role. The clown. Yes, the clown is a role 
And it's also known as the mascot. So the atmosphere in a dysfunctional family is usually very tense. So the clown steps in to the role of mood lightener to avoid something escalating or boiling over. The clown will be continuously ready with some form of humor or clowning around to act as a distraction from any potential conflict. Each time this works, each time the clown is able to distract, the pressure is pushed up from them to act in a similar way the next time. This pressure means the clown will most likely be full of constant anxiety inside, on edge, just waiting. Like, when am I going to have to tell another joke? I hope it lands. I hope it sticks in hopes of de-escalating potential conflict. Now, in adulthood, the clown will continue to use humor and amusing behavior to deal with any potential conflict, even in his or her own relationships, personal relationships. When an issue really needs to be discussed or faced, the clown will again distract through the use of humor. The clown has learned how to use humor as a coping mechanism. Let's look at an example. So now we have a character named Blake and Blake is visiting home for Christmas. He fears any verbal and or physical conflict between his sisters with great reason The sisters have difficulty getting along and respecting each other's viewpoints and boundaries. After dinner, two of the sisters begin to argue over who helped their mother more while she prepared the meal. Immediately, immediately, Blake overtalks them and begins telling a joke reminiscent of one of their childhood Christmases. Everyone becomes distracted and they start to laugh, the clown. Let's look at one more role, the lost child. The lost child attempts to stay out of the dysfunctional picture as much as possible by staying quiet on their own and fending for themselves as much as possible. The lost child is a loner. The lost child's needs are going unmet anyway. Consequently, the lost child will withdraw, feel alone, and desperately yearn for love, approval, and attention. In example, let's say we have a character named Luke. Growing up, Luke was shy and quiet. He was also an honor student and well-behaved. He rarely got into trouble. As a result, His parents overlooked him and gave most of their attention to his sister, who quite often got into trouble and challenged authority. So now as an adult, Luke stays away because he feels since he's expected to do the right thing, he is overlooked. So he mainly comes around the family only for funerals. He's the lost child. He wants the attention yet he's overlooked because his behavior is not troublesome. So now he's he's just learned to be a loner. All right, let's look at how to deal with a dysfunctional family. So we'll explore and identify just a few different ways. 
one way to deal with a dysfunctional family or family member is to limit the information you share. Everything is not to be shared with everybody. If you choose to spend time with family, protect yourself, emotionally protect yourself by limiting the information you share with them that could potentially be used against you when mad day comes. In other words, don't give them ammunition. Try to keep your conversations more general. And if they want to talk about something related to you that you feel is too deep, just refocus the conversations back on them if possible. By refocusing, this allows you to remain as emotionally protected as possible. So if you are not comfortable sharing something, don't. To refocus the conversation, you can say an example, well, enough about me, what's going on with you and your new job? Or I'm doing well, and I'd love to hear more about your new role at church. So again, if you're not comfortable sharing something, do not just refocus the conversation. And again, an example, you can say something along the lines of enough about me. What's going on with fill in the blank with something that's of interest to them? Or I'm doing well and I'd love to hear more about fill in the blank again with something that's of interest to them. Another way to deal with dysfunctional family members is to set healthy boundaries. This is difficult for a lot of people because they have not learned this skill. You can also tell them you are not comfortable discussing a certain subject. In doing so, you are setting a boundary. Try to change the subject or remove yourself from the conversation. To do so, you can say, an example, I'm not interested in sharing about that anymore. But I appreciate you asking or, you know, I don't love to talk about this, but I'd like to hear more about your new ventures. Another thing you can say or do is I'm going to get some fresh air. Excuse me for a moment. All of those are effective ways that you could possibly set healthy boundaries. Another way to possibly deal with dysfunctional family members is to decompress after a stressful interaction. It's important to not only prepare for a stressful interaction with your family, but also know how to return to a calm state. Come up with an easy practice or ritual you can get into the habit of practicing as a way to calm yourself after an intense interaction. So if you've just gotten off of a very intense phone call with a family member where there was yelling, blaming, shaming, mad day was happening, you can calm yourself possibly by watching something funny on TV, lighting candles, meditating, going for a scenic walk, taking a shower, or even listening to music. Try a few different routines to see which help you feel better. But it is very important that you decompress and that you have a certain practice or practices you can turn to after a stressful interaction. Remember, you're wanting to go back to that calm state. Another way 
to deal with dysfunctional family members is just to end all contact. In some instances, it is healthier to stop seeing dysfunctional family members instead of trying to work it out. If spending time with a certain family member or a group of family members is causing you stress or affecting you physically, and you know it's affecting you because you may have migraines, stomach ulcers, it may be affecting you mentally, and you know it because you're anxious, you're worried, you're depressed, you may even be suicidal, or in some instances, homicidal. If it's negatively impacting other aspects of your life, you definitely may want to consider setting a firm no contact boundary with them. No contact means I'm not answering the phone for them. I will not call them. I'm not going to ask them for anything. I am not going to respond to text messages. I'm not going to attend events where they are present. And it basically means that it's time to love them from a distance. And this is for your own mental well-being. Now, here's where I cognitively challenge you. What I want you to do now is to take a second or two and identify what role you play in the family dysfunction. Are you the scapegoat? Are you often blamed? Are you the clown? Do you use humor as a coping mechanism? Who are you? What role do you play in the dysfunction? of the family. Remember that we can serve in dual roles and roles can shift. So like an example, maybe once in a lifetime, you were the black sheep and now you're the golden child. So maybe you were the scapegoat, AKA the black sheep when you were younger. Maybe you made some bad decisions that embarrassed the family or disappointed them. But presently, maybe you're doing very well for yourself and they're extremely proud of you. That would be an example of the role shifting. If you serve in a dual role, is it that maybe every three months you're getting into trouble, going in and out of jail, making bad decisions, making decisions that embarrass the family publicly? And then you spend the remainder of the year doing well for yourself, being the golden child, someone they can depend on. It just fluctuates. It depends where you are in your life and what's going on. That's an example of you serving in a dual role. Next, I cognitively challenge you to ask yourself, how do my behaviors and attitudes contribute to family dysfunction? Yeah, what you do contribute to the dysfunction in the family. Even if your intentions are good, you can still contribute to the dysfunction. Like an example, if you play the role of caretaker, a pro may be that your loved ones are taken care of, they can rely on you, but on the contrary, your own needs may be neglected and you can be enabling their behavior. Sometimes also as the caretaker, you may overstep boundaries because maybe they didn't ask for your help, but you just take it upon yourself to do it anyway. So again, there are pros and cons to it. So ask yourself, how do my behaviors and attitudes contribute to family dysfunction? 
if you're the clown, you're contributing to the dysfunction because you're so quick to interrupt with humor and you're not allowing conflict to be resolved because you're interrupting trying to de-escalate the situation. And then I cognitively challenge you to identify the pros and cons of the role you play. All right. I want you to remember you have a choice. You do not have to continue in a dysfunctional fashion. After all, when we know better, we attempt to do better. You can break the cycle. Be mindful that the coping skills you develop while living in a dysfunctional household when you were younger may not be the healthiest, but they helped you survive in that environment at that time. Well, it's a new day. So reflect on how you deal with stress and emotionally charged situations. And if you're not able to handle these difficult moments the way you'd like to, be open to trying some new healthy coping skills, such as deciding to say no, setting healthy boundaries, understanding the feelings of others, effective communication, and possibly seeing a therapist or counselor to improve your growth. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to share, like, or comment via our Instagram at Crucial Conversations Podcast or If you have any questions, email us at questions at crucialconversations.info. Be sure to tune in next time as we delve into another Crucial Conversation.